This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 34 of the Ninja Starship Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy McKnight, and we are broadcasting live from Podcast Detroit Studios above Activate Gaming. It is 5 o'clock, ladies and gentlemen, so if you're not tuned in, you are missing the ultimate show ever. Announcements, Great Lakes Comic Con, February 26th and 27th at Macomb Community College. Doors open 5 p.m. Friday. Come meet Sergeant Slaughter, Larry Kenny, the voice of Lionel, the man who created Qbert, Jeff Lee, plus a great artist alley with Marvel artist Ryan Stegman, also Seth the Moose, Pat Broderick, Tom Cook, the list goes on, and so can I. Just like I said last week, let's start the show. Engage. 12, 11, 10, 9, ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Ninja Star! What's up, Ranger fans? This is Steve Cardenas, a.k.a. Rocky the Red Power Ranger. Hey, this is Eugene Clark from... George Romero's Land of the Dead. Hey, this is Jason Font from Power Rangers Time Force. Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Men. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Men. You are listening. And you're listening to the Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. Our favorite podcast. It has begun. Oh, yeah. Woo! I am awesome. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole is. Everybody, welcome to the Ninja Starship. This is a very special episode because we have a double feature. This is a combined show, combined powers, if you will, of the Ninja Starship and the Top Rope Review. We are going to deliver you two hours of power, wonderful talks about comics, movies, professional wrestling, and everything that we can in between. Let me introduce our guest. First, comic creator, Mr. J.R. Blanton. How are you, sir? I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. It was aliens. And XICW wrestler, Mr. Dickie Bronson. What's going on, sir? I'm just drinking a grapefruit perrier. It's... It's different. And we have everybody from the Top Rope Review, Mr. Josh, Mr. Will, and Mr. Mike. Say hello, men. Hello, men. Hello, hello men. men. I don't hey. Know. Who says hello, men? Like, you right? did. I did, right? What the fuck? Can I, can, I, uh, can I put a little spin on something? I think that uh, when Ninja Starship and Top Rope Review combined... We're the ultimate maniacs. We are. <gasps> Dude, you yeah. just broke new ground. You don't want to be the mega powers. I'd rather be the ultimate maniacs. Yes, definitely. Like, one guy doesn't have to speak, and the other guy speaks, because that's what the ultimate, I mean, really, like, ultimate. Oh, yeah, no. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> that's awesome. JR, welcome to the show, man. I've, I've, I have seen your comic, Light Earth, okay? I have seen the amazing art that is in it, but I can't say that I know too much about what it is. But I've seen you at at least five or six different Comic-Cons. Every time I try to come up and introduce myself to you, you have like five or six people at your (laughs) booth. So I'm like, man's busy. Let him do his thing. Tell me a little bit about Light Earth. What is it about? Because, man, dude, the, the art alone will pull you into this. 
Well, the easiest way to describe the story is uh, just think of like a fantasy world where it's not cliche with the same orcs and you know dwarves and the same thing that's been used over and over. It's more about the world itself. And, you know, one of the main themes of it is, like, how struggles for power can bring a world to the brink of destruction. Okay. So it's okay. it, it's definitely something unlike what people are used to reading. And with the kind of covers that I've been very lucky enough to get from some of these big-name artists, that really helps with awareness as well. Oh, yeah. Well, who, who did you have work on the art? Because, dude... I mean that that will pull anybody into this. I mean it, it is it is second to none, really. It is something spectacular. Well, the uh, zero issue was done by Sika Murdy, who is from the Philippines. Great artist. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times when you work with these people overseas, uh, there's a language barrier with a lot oh, of them. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah speak so Tagalog. The, <laughs> the process sometimes, uh, like I get you know messages at four in the morning. They're like, "Hi, sir," and I'm like. Uh, don't high sir me at four in the morning. It's always sir. <laughs> it, is, it is always sir. Hello, there's, sir. A, there's a reason for that. They're they're for some reason they're like trained over there to like be very respectful towards Americans. It's mm-hmm. this almost like this thing they think is like custom for us that there's got to be like this respect. But right. at the same time, what a lot of people don't understand is that if these guys say, "Hey, I want fifty dollars a page," that's American money. What they're really <laughs> getting in the Philippines is like one hundred and fifty. So oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely. know, everybody you know benefits. Uh, but that was for the zero issue. The first uh, issue was uh, Mark Marvita, and he'll be doing uh, issues two through four. I'm not 100% what's going to happen after four, but uh, he's locked in until number four. Right on. So where did the where did the um, inspiration for this story come from? Like, where did you kind of pull the, you know, the, the vibes to make this a real thing? Where, where did it all come from? Well, the story itself and the characters have actually been around for over 30 years. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, this is something I created when I was five. Oh, shit. Yeah. It this was, is it, old school. Deep oh, cut. yeah. Yeah. This was uh, <laughs> 1985 was when I created this. I'll never Dude, forget. I was, I, was I was born in 1985. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm dated. I'm dated. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it was it was something that, that kind of uh, – it hit me at a young age. I wrote down all the ideas, the characters, the names, uh, even drew a lot of maps. And I used to get a lot of like detentions in school for like writing that stuff down and drawing pictures of those characters because I couldn't get it out of my head. Right. Uh, so fortunately, I, I was lucky to meet Dirk Manning two years ago at Comics and More, which I'm happy to say I'll be Just doing – Just a genius, man. Yeah, genius guy in that store, especially with Chris Brown uh, inviting me uh, next month on the 26th. I'll be doing my first ever in-store signing. So, yeah, yeah, it kind of comes full circle there. Uh, Unfortunately, the shop that I grew up working at, I worked there for over 10 years, doesn't exist anymore. So something I would have wanted to do, but it's not available. So I'll take this. You know, Chris Brown, man, I I hear about him. He's been mentioned on this show at least five, six different times. And and Comics and More seems to be the place, especially for independent comic creators in this scene. Like he's he's built a very awesome thing for himself to bring these people to his to his store to do these signings. You know, it's pretty awesome. Well, much like Dirk Manning and another person who I, you know, I have to name drop uh, Travis McIntyre. One of my point press. Yeah. yeah. One of my buddies. I love the guy to death. And, you know, this thing with source point press. I mean, the lineup. Have you heard the lineup that they have? I mean, for an independent comic book company to have this kind of lineup with these kind of care, uh, with these kind of people is amazing. They've got Nora with Casey Pierce and Sean Seal. Oh yeah. They've got Savants with Gary Reed, Seth the Moose, and Sarah Souls. Oh come on. Right. The Rot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Dead Duck uh, with Jay Fosgate. Yeah. You know that right there is amazing. Uh, like you said, The Rot, uh, David Hayes, Sean Seal, and Josh Werner. I mean, that right there with independent comic books, it doesn't get much better than that. No, it know? really doesn't. They and, they they have an, they have the Rat Pack and the Work, Love you know? is there. You know, <laughs> oh, you yeah. Can tell just like with Dirk Manning when you go there you can sense how great of a guy he is because people come to him from all over 
over and go, hey, I, you know, I saw you at this con. And then he's like, wow, you came three states to see me? Right. I mean, those are fans. Those are people that read your stuff and get involved and, it, it, you know, engages them in some way. And then they're just like, all right, I'll drive five places, you know, to go see you. Right. Speaking of uh, SourcePoint, I, I just stopped at uh, Shelby Comic Con before I came out here and uh, met up with Trico. Oh, okay. And uh, I had to pick up right here two through four of Monstrous nice. from uh, Greg Wright and Ken Lamoog. I got uh, – I've had Greg Wright on the show prior, and I got his first issue, Monstrous. Dude, it is the ultimate reimagining of True Grit. It is so good and, and brings in that just horror, steampunk – I called it John McClane on acid because that's really what it is. You got this just lone gunman kicking ass throughout this whole thing, but it's such a whacked out story that you know you can't help but just be, be entranced by it. And that's know? what you want. That's the thing yeah. with, with creating comic books. And I tell people this all the time. If you have a great story, that's awesome. But if you're going to hit the comic book scene, you have to know how to sell this to people. You need to be able to get them in like the first 30 seconds. You got to pull them in because a lot of people will look at your stuff. Even me with these famous big name artists that have done amazing work, people will sometimes just come to look at it and they'll barely listen to me and then walk away. Right. So I really have to engage them. And you can't really do that when you're like sitting on your ass and just kind of... No. No, you, know. you got to be up and in their face, and, and <laughs> yeah. that's what I always saw. You were always up and, and attentive and with your customers where you see other people when you walk by their booths and they're just sitting down like, oh, yeah, if you see something, let me know. I'll tell you how much it is. That's about it. That, that's the difference between the people that are passionate about what they do and yes. that are in it for just simply the money. And, and, and I'm fortunate. I'm one of those rare people who I grew up in a comic book store. I started working at 13 at a comic book store and worked there until you know 2003 when it closed down, and then I went and worked for a couple more. So, like, that's my expertise is sales. Every right. job I've ever had has been sales-related in some sort, and that's really what you do need to do with comic books. You need to bring people – like, with the Kickstarters especially, you can't just put a Kickstarter up with a bunch of fancy pictures and people buy it. It doesn't work that way. You right. have to really let them see how passionate you are with the video, with, uh, you know, the writing, the way it's presented. It's uh, – you know, I, I liken it a lot of times to, uh, you, you know, how passionate you are. Mm-hmm. If, if you're passionate enough, you'll make it. If you're not, you're one of those people that will give up easily. That's true. And That's it, it sucks true. because a lot of people give up because of lack of funds like myself. I, I, I've been pretty much bankrupt because I've spent all my money into this. But it's finally Dude. starting to reap the rewards. Listen, man, I, I fully understand what you're saying. Like as far as this podcast, I invest everything into it. I've invested money into the track that plays in the intro. I invest money into all the travel that I have to do for the 13 fucking dates that I have to make this year. I'm the one that pays for all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And it's just the way it is. But it's for the greater good because if these people don't hear about you, and you don't get out there. What 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 are you doing? What what what's the whole point? Exactly. It, and and if you're just like a Michigan-based talent, it's good to go out to other states, to other Absolutely. shows, to other venues, and get your product out there. That's what's great about what I have going on right now is that I not only have a fan base right now localized in Michigan, Indiana, Ohio. Illinois and Pennsylvania, but because of people like Jeremy Clark, Ale Garza, and uh, Mike DeBalfo, you can add California, New Mexico, Arizona, right. Texas, Missouri, Florida, Georgia, all these different states where people want the book. I mean, you can't buy that. You know, it's something that comes with, you know, earning it and, you know, people believing in you because they see how passionate you are, or at least, you know, how determined you are. That's true. And, dude, Jeremy Blanton, or, or, or Clark. <laughs> 
I'm looking at you saying, you know, but Jeremy Clark, man, God, dude, that guy is putting out amazing work. He's like just, a wizard with He is. He it's is. incredible. Like yeah. every time he sends me something, he sends me updates. It's like like a like a mental boner. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like it's 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 unfathomable how this man with traditional inks, mind you. This right. is not somebody that does it digitally. This is somebody who sits down painstakingly with his hand and and does this inking. And when it's done, you'd swear to God, like, like did a computer do this? Right. Like, no, no, dude, dude. He 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 pulls it off that well every time. Really, every time. Also in studio, we have XICW wrestler Mr. Dickie Bronson. How's it going, sir? This Perrier is actually really good. It's still good. That's all I'm going to talk about oh, the whole show. The whole time, the Perrier. Yeah. What, yeah. what 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 flavor does the Perrier reach to you when when it hits your palate? I'm pretty sure I said grapefruit to begin with, and I'm not going to repeat <laughs> myself. So, well, let's get into let's get into your origin story. Where did where did you kind of meet the the path of I want to be a professional wrestler? This is what I want to do. I literally want to get in the ring and beat the fuck out of people. Uh, in the most fun way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I want to say I was five. Like, one of my earliest memories was going to see the WWF with my grandfather when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. I remember almost everything about it. Oh, shit. Well, I mean, what, what, what did, did you just go to? Was it a pay-per-view or was it like a? It was like a house show. Okay. And there was Hulk Hogan. They had Bruce oh. the Barber Beefcake, which was underrated at the time. I hate him now. Right, I mean, right, right, right. Terrible person. But um, to see the Hulkster in not person. Not a terrible person. But uh, no, to see that in person and just like, I don't know. It was like... a Adults, children, anybody could get into it. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was real or not. That's true. You know, if that's it's real true. for the moment, that's all that mattered. And it was cool. I was a little chubby kid. Right. You know, I had chubby kid problems. <laughs> yeah. And the then, was real. but like, yeah, <laughs> the, good, the good guys won. You know, you're like, okay, good guys win. Like, right. All right. Especially about, yeah. back then, man. Like, you know, when I watch uh, WWE Network and I watch like the older stuff, like, you really get this appreciation for not just the event, but the time period in which it was recorded. Because you look at the audience, and there's not this, you don't see everybody with their phone, you know, recording everything. Like, they had to take that shit in as they saw it and remember it at that moment. You know, oh, yeah. it, it meant so much more because what they saw, they didn't get a replay of that. You couldn't go home and be like, oh, look at this, or look at this, or look, I shared this, or oh, this person shared this. That was gone. Not even a, 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 a thing. It it was it was non-existent, and you really get like when I watch that, I'm like, man, like you really get this whole other other sense of appreciation for what you're seeing, you know? Oh, totally. I I, I love it, man. Especially We're super spoiled. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are totally definitely. Spoiled. Yeah, because I can I can watch a concert and I can record it on my phone, and then on the way home I can replay the whole concert. You can't do that. You had to go strictly off of what was in your memory. I like watching it through the phone of the person in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> I've caught myself do. doing that a couple times. You're like, Actually, you got a way nicer phone. I'm going to watch yours. <laughs> well, I must admit that I was spoiled because I had a grandfather who was more into it than I was. So, really? Yes. And, and I've told the story many times on many shows. Okay. And if you'll indulge me, it's very yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. It's very Please quick. Talk all uh, you want. I, I was born a nervous baby. And because I was born a nervous baby, uh, it was a lot of uh, birth complication. Okay. So uh, I was born and I was one of those kids that was just always nervous, always crying, always upset. The only way to get me to calm down was my grandfather would put me on his knee and I would watch old wrestling with him. 
And the cool thing about that was was that he knew people all over the country because they all had like this pirate thing going where they all sent local videotapes. The camera guys Tape would make ratings. copies yeah. and give them to all their oh friends. So I got to see like Memphis wrestling, AWA, Georgia yeah. Championship when no one around us had any access to it. <laughs> That's so, so cool. I it was to, almost pre-internet. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like when I'm watching all this stuff, like you know the early Ric Flair's, like Jake the Snake, and uh, you know like Stampede Wrestling back when uh, you know it was Big Daddy Ritter instead of Junkyard Dog. I mean people didn't. <laughs> tell them that stuff they're like you're a liar because I had no internet to back me up right 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 but I, I grew up spoiled make sure so. it didn't happen bro that's the same kid that, <laughs> the same kid that told you there were four undertakers you know that kid oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right 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 you ever notice like when you were a kid that like the little kid with like the LA Raiders t-shirt and the rat tail were always the undertaker fans you know what <laughs> no, I mean that, that's <laughs> That just little shithead. That's true. It was like that's I like true. Hulk Hogan. They're like, yeah, you gay? Were you a big Undertaker fan, Josh? No. <laughs> Yo, tell your story about the Undertaker at a live event when you oh. met the world's biggest Undertaker fan. Or your buddy did. Was he like? Was, was he like that yeah, kid in the no. line in uh, Christmas Story? He was like, I like the Tin Man. I like the Undertaker. <laughs> no. So my friend had my. I have a friend that has a story. It's not my story, but it's a funny story anyway. He said that the one time he went to a WWE event, there was a there was like a goth kid sitting next to him with an Undertaker shirt on, <laughs> and the only thing that he said to him the entire time they were there was, "I'm here to see the Dead Man." And then after, the, and then after the, <laughs> that is just like the Christmas and then, story. And then, I and like then the after, Tin Man. yeah, and then after the Undertaker's match, the kid left. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh yeah. my God! He'll punch your Dude. eye out. <sighs> like, like, forgive the old reference, but that like that's like watching a Motley Crue show till like uh, Tommy Lee does the the roller coaster the fucking drum, drum set and yeah. then leave. You yeah, know? yeah. Like, there's still so much show to no, watch. That's like going to see an opening band and then leaving after. They I've play. done that though. <laughs> I've done that. I have a friend in like an opening band. They're playing for some like huge band. Go to see my friend's band and then leave. Yeah. So. Dick, you have like this. You have this character development with 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 your person, where you're you're like this villain, shit talking, tough dude type, you know, wrestler. Where, where did where did you kind of pull the influence for your character development to to make this to to, to kind of make everything come to fruition and, and play this off? Uh, so yeah, like I help I help out at the wrestling school, the House of Truth, sometimes too. Okay. And I tell the kids when they're worried about character, I'm like, it's not architecture where you draw a building to spec, and that's exactly what you build. Right. It's sculpture. Right. Like you're right. gonna try something, and then that's not gonna work, and then you're gonna add to this, you're gonna take else. that, and then yeah. maybe you're not making a, a figure. Maybe you're making a duck. You know what I mean? It right. changes right. halfway through. I want a blue duck. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what was that from? That was Billy Madison. That's like, right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but, well, I didn't know what it was from either, buddy. No, I forgot. <laughs> I was like, I've never seen when you asked, I was like, oh, good, I don't have to no, ask. No, I thought it was the Crow City of Angels, but it was a blue sun in the Crow City oh, of yeah, Angels. Oh, yeah, that's true. You want to get weird? Let's get fucking Deep weird. Cut, I'll dude. mention bad movies. <laughs> um, but uh, I started, I had the worst name ever, and I think it's appropriate for this show. I was really into the Crow, actually. Okay, okay. And I was really into Lord of the Rings. Okay. So I didn't know if I wanted to be Draven. Or Strider, is that a first name or a last name? So I was Draven Strider for Kim, my first. Kim, combined them right on. It's pretty bad. Hey, uh, as long as you didn't come out to It Can't Rain All the Time, no, you did okay. I, I came out to Clean My Wounds by Corrosion and Conformity. Which is actually, <laughs> it's sweet. That's still good. <laughs> it's still good. Uh, no, so um, that I was just I just didn't get it. I went through a really shitty school to begin with, and that's a whole other story. Okay. Oh, well, let's, let's start there. What school did you go to? Oh, yeah, uh, let so, it all out, bro. We're, this is the can open, right? We can. Uh, so we were on. Uh, me and my buddy Nick and my buddy Mike. Mike eventually only did two matches, and didn't, me and Nick continued to wrestle after you know that. 
But uh, we looked up uh, wrestling schools, the, the brand new internet, the okay. same internet in which a previous week I had bought a nude picture of Jenny McCarthy for $4 that was printed <laughs> off the internet. Right Because it took so long. Literally. <laughs> like you had to wait a week for it to finish printing. Oh, God. From, and you got, yeah. and if you, God from the 56K download. <laughs> well, and yeah, and if your parents don't get on the computer by the time it's done, it's like a day and a half. Oh, yeah. And then God forget anybody, you know, pick up the phone to make a call. I, t- I still fuck with people like that. I would like if, if I'm messaging with somebody on Facebook. I'd be like, hold on, my sister needs to use the phone. And then I won't answer. <laughs> and they're so confused. That's great. But anyway, so we looked up wrestling schools. My buddy found NWA Great Lakes Wrestling School. We're like, NWA, that's a fuck, you know, that's a fucking thing. So we're like, sweet, we'll check it out. And it was in Jetto, Michigan. Okay. So like after okay. 94 ends, it's dirt road. Yeah, yeah, Black yeah. Black River yeah. Road and Galbraith Lane. I still yeah. remember because we drive there every weekend. Right. It was in a pool barn with a space heater. And like outskirts of Port Huron area. Oh, yeah. yeah that's, like, like, that's the – they frown upon Jetto in Port Huron. Oh, they do. <laughs> they do. Yes, I know. Yeah. So uh, we would we got went up there and met this guy who shall remain unnamed. But uh, not that he's anybody anyway. Jetto warrior. Yeah, Jetto warrior. Yeah. <laughs> call him J-Man. So anyways uh, – Gave us the pitch, NW Great Lakes School. He didn't have any students. Well, we'll get some new students in here. All right, cool. Like, we'll start you guys off. I'm not going to charge you anything, and then maybe we'll work something out later. Mm-hmm. Or like, sweet, everything in the world is free, and nobody wants anything. <laughs> <laughs> We're never going to die. Right, right. So we, uh, we started going up there, and, you know, and it's weird because there was no tough enough. There was no tough enough. There was no reality shows. There was still kayfabe. There was still, like, you know, it, it was the end of that era of where What year every- was this, roughly? 2000, 2001. All it was right, right okay. like in the phasing of that. Yeah. So right uh, before like Tough Enough and all yeah. that. Right before. So we had no idea like how much is this real? Like, and then you know it's not real, but in the back of your mind like, is it still fucking real? It might be real. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so you don't know how does the ring hurt? How much, like, do you talk to each other? How do you do this shit? We have no idea. And it sucked because it was, you know, anybody would be a wrestler. Like if you – if anybody could do it, every fucking fan would do it. Oh, sure. So we get there, and it was tough. Um, and then after a while, we slowly started to realize this guy was kind of full of shit. He would say, like, well, hold on, I got Shane McMahon on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, you fucking don't. Coast to coast, hold on. Yeah. Well, not that Shane McMahon. My buddy Shane McMahon from Cleveland, Ohio. Shane, Shane McManus. <laughs> so we uh, eventually... Uh, you know, we heard rumors about this guy, blah, blah, blah. But previously, the NW Great Lakes School was run by a guy named the Canadian Destroyer, which is like he had trained a lot of – I don't know if you know Nate Matson, He's a wrestler around no, here. No. Chris Saban, like Petey Williams. I believe they were still around when Doug was alive. Okay. Or no, Petey never met him, but he named the Canadian Destroyer after this wrestler, the Canadian Destroyer. Oh, right on. That was like kind of like the godfather from of Windsor, Michigan wrestling. He trained a lot of guys. Okay. Um, well, he – we found out he had just uh, – he had passed away, and nobody took the Great Lakes, NWA Great Lakes name. So this dude took it upon himself to masquerade an NWA okay. Great Lakes. And you can still do that back then. You know, the right, self-proclaimed pharaoh. Why not? You, you know? know, things are a lot more regulated now. Uh, but anyway, so I remember one day I'm, uh, I'm driving home. I'm dropping him off. And he was like, stop the car. I'm like, okay. And he goes, uh, you know, I heard you and your girlfriend broke up. I go, yeah. And he's like, well, if you ever need a blowjob. And I <laughs> And you think you're going to have a tough answer. (laughs) Fuck out of my car. Right, right. You know what my answer was? No, thank you. Bye. (laughs) I'm good. Thank you very much. Okay, have a good one. not gay if they suck your... 
you know. Yeah, it's not, it's not. That's a whole nother not. fucking show. Call me gay if you like it. Oh my. That's, I can oh, close my oh, eyes my. and eat a turd, and it's still a fucking turd. That's but true. Anyways. That's true. That'd that's be incredibly true. awkward. So I brought it up to a few of the guys I knew that were in the school. Just to let you know, this is what went down. You ever ask you motherfuckers to stop the car? <laughs> yeah. And one of them goes, you know what? I don't want to say he's been hitting on me, but uh, he's been hitting on me. <laughs> right. Right. This other kid, Nick, my buddy Nick, my fucking best friend, goes, oh, yeah, he, he asked me. I just said, no, thanks. He hasn't bothered me since. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. Like, this isn't something <laughs> you bring up. Holy shit. This isn't something you maybe say to your best friend when he's in an enclosed vehicle with this person. Right, right, right. He's like, oh, it's fine. I'm like, show warning to this. I mean, people can do what they want to do, but it's a little fucked up that you're so cool about this and not telling me what the hell was going on. So anyways, and then this other kid, Travis, he just goes, he never hit on me. And I'm like, are you fucking jealous? Oh, so I'm, I'm exempt. <laughs> no, no, I'm jealous. not saying. He's, he, just, he just never hit on me. He probably was a little bit jealous. Oh, totally. He was that guy. Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> so we got out of there and we started talking to a few other people we knew and we ended up in different you know places. And then we ended up doing shows and we got hooked up with the House of Truth, Truth Martini's fantastic wrestling school, still running to this day. Um, and uh, the Can-Am school in Windsor, Scott Demore. I worked for a company in Windsor. When I was still, you know, yeah. I was learning stuff at Truths and yeah. then still doing shows, which I probably should have just retrained for the beginning. Right. And then I went there and then the company in Canada got bought by Scott Demore, used to be on TNA, Team Canada. Okay. And I went and he allowed us to use his school. So I went there for a while too and learned from like Joe Legend and guys like that. And I just fell out of it. You know, it's funny because like I had uh, my buddy, Nick, actually, we were wrestling and he overshot a leg drop and landed straight on my head. Oh, shit. Mm. My head turned. I saw a flash of light. I finished the match. I don't remember anything about it. Right. Worst pain of my life. Like headaches the next day, whatever. For I eventually quit wrestling because I'm like, you know, I don't want to do it anymore. I didn't really want to try. I was yeah, yeah, yeah. For years later, I start get weird vertigo, twitches, whatever. I'm thinking I got fucking brain damage, and I'm going to school for massage therapy at the same time. We're going over neuropathy. Okay, okay. Of course, I have everything they're talking about. You know, when they say it's oh yeah, I got that. No, oh yeah, that connects. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I eventually, you know, was kind of made it. Just like you know what? There's nothing I can do about it. I got CAT scans, MRIs. They said you're fine. I'm like, if something happens, it happens. Fuck it. Years later, I get a full spinal X-ray for something else. Turns out my skull shifted on the top vertebrae, the atlas. So I was walking around with like a partially broken neck. Holy like four shit, or five years, bro. I told the dude, I'm just like, he, was, he showed me, he's like, do you know how that happened? I'm like, I know exactly how that happened. That's <laughs> fucked up. And he goes, right. you're the happiest man with a broken neck I've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not crazy. Like, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Fuck, this I can do something with. That's sweet. I mean, it's not sweet. But, <laughs> but oh, anyways. But still, yeah. So eventually I did that and I showed up to this this show. It's called Squared Circle Review. So the guy that runs Theater Bazaar, Squared Circle Review used to be with Theater Bazaar. And it's like strong men and werewolves and. Crazy shit, the Invisible oh, Man. Kinky. So you're out there right wrestling on. yourself, yeah. And I watched that. I'm like, I want to wrestle again, if only to do this fucking show. This is yeah. awesome. This is awesome. So I got back into it. I did a show here and there, and then five years later, I'm wrestling again. But when I came back, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to go out there because the more you want someone to think you're a badass, the less you are. Like you see, you got come out to fucking I stand alone by God smack or some, you know, <laughs> Lamb of God song screaming the way nobody does, right? You right, know, so right. I'm like. I'm going to go out there and, like, just see what the crowd throws back in my face. I'm, like, I'm just going to do what I want to do, which, you know, is usually advised against. You're trying to sell oh, them something. Always, yeah. I want to see what they wanted to buy, and then I kind of, you know, did that. And eventually, um, that's just kind of how it happened. I was watching uh, – I had my first match in Forever coming up, and I was watching uh, the movie The Fighter. 
with uh, Marky Mark and mm-hmm. with Christian Bale plays Dickie yeah. uh, oh, crack dude, addict so good yeah and then we watch Bronson with fucking Tom Hardy after that and that's where so it I'm came like, what's from. my fucking wrestling name he's like Dickie Bronson <laughs> okay and I never intended Winchester to Sinfieldville <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Peter Griffin no and, <laughs> I just I kept it I wanted to change it and somebody's like no keep it you remember it immediately mm-hmm. and you can chant it and it's got a K it sounds like an old box dude movie. it does fuck it sounds classic it. as fuck bro yeah. it really does so it really turned a corner I was just kind of you know a dude I like Taz I like suplexes I yeah, like yeah, yeah yeah and so uh, I remember the day I turned face basically was not planned I was a heel I get out there muscling Caleb Stills and some guy yelled as we're circling just goes you're a homo so I just turned <laughs> And I go, I used to fuck guys like you in prison, ass. Holy shit, Roadhouse drop. <laughs> totally. And that left them so confused. It was like a minute of silence, and then just the other side of the crowd goes, yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. That's not even gay. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's just the more of an asshole I am. No, no, it more. worked. It, pulled, it, it, pulled, it was pulled off. So I just, I always go in there thinking, like, well, what would I really do? Or if I have to be more of an asshole, like, what would I do if I really? Or what right. I do if I really wanted to get across that I could, you know, you just have to think of what you do in any situation. And I used to bounce in Detroit and do yeah, random yeah. shit like that. And yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of fed off that. That's fucking pretty sweet, man. Yeah. Really. Thank you. Well, speaking of character development, not to switch it too much, but you seem, JR, you seem to have elves. You have, uh, like, uh, fucking big brawny warriors in your story. Like, where, where did you get the, the idea for character development? For your comic. Well, there's actually no elves. There's no elves? Yeah, there's no, like, the only thing that's, like, common is, like, horses, humans, things like that. But there's, like, no dwarves, Who's no the elves. girl with the, in the green on the cover? Uh, that would be Inara. She's, like, basically the star of the entire story. Okay. Because, right, yeah. I haven't read your story. I'm, 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 I'm from a completely outsider perspective. I assume she was an elf. My apologies. Well, it, it, basically, the easiest way to describe her is, uh, in the world of Light Earth, there's a, uh, a light source. And okay. certain people have access to it. They can harness it in certain ways. Others can't. She's one of the ones that potentially can. Hasn't, at this point, and in, in almost issue two, that's almost out. So, uh, But, you know, things are happening along the way. Uh, in terms of, like, character development, it's really all just along the years, just writing the story, reading it, rewriting it, and just doing that over and over. I, I, no kidding, I think I've rewritten the damn thing at least a thousand times. Hey, dude. Over the years. you got to do to get it right, years. man. Yeah, well, 30 it's years. It's your story. It's been, a, it's been a novel. It's been, I mean... Everything you can think of, it's been, but yeah. it never actually went anywhere until I met Dirk, and that's when all that happened. But you know, actually, before I, I, I talk about the Dirk thing, yeah, I do have one wrestling story. Oh, please go it, ahead. It's right not now. that interesting, but it, 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 it's <laughs> kind of uh, you know, it's related to a lot of times how people say wrestling is fake. Okay. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. can tell you firsthand, it's not. No. Okay. <laughs> because I, I one time because of you know I have my own podcast. I haven't done a lot recently because my father passed away. Okay. All right. What's, uh, what's your podcast? The, the CAC Show. Okay. Uh, we were on Blog Talk Radio. Left Blog Talk Radio. Now we're with I think Podbean is the name of the company. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. But you know I haven't done a lot recently. But before my father had passed away, I had done a lot of shows with Scott Diamond and the Diamond Cartel. Now they're based usually like in like the central, I would say like the Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana kind of area. Uh, so he contacted me one day and he's like, would you ever consider coming down and being like part of a match? I'm like, dude, I can't wrestle. He's like, are, are you serious? I said, well, my, with my health, I mean, I really right, should. Right, right, right. And he goes, okay, well, would you like to be part of a match? I said, sure. So we worked out this angle to where I would come down and be in the corner of these wrestlers, Cack and Jack, for a tag team title match. 
Now, of course, you know, everybody has a job to do. Oh, yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this one referee uh, missed his, his job, wasn't apparently paying attention when he was supposed to be. So uh, there's this part where I'm choking Scott Diamond, and uh, I'm sitting here choking him, and they're supposed to, you know, break us up because I see them all coming to break us up. But before that can happen, Big Zoe, who I love you, brother, Big Zoe, I got to give you a shout out. The guy was almost 500 pounds at the time, okay? Now, he's just a massive, you know, like big wall of dude, a man. Yeah. He came off the apron and gave me an axe handle. And I'm 125 pounds. Now, even if I wasn't, it probably still would have almost put me through the floor. But when he <laughs> right? hit me, it was real, man. I was like, <laughs> okay, like I expected to get hit. I didn't Girl, expect whoa, to get hit that hard. Shit. Yeah. And he hit me right to the ground. And Kag and Jack come over and they pick me up. They're like, are you okay? Like, man, it looked like he was going to kill you. I was like... Am, am, am I all right? Am I standing? Am I, am I, am I okay? Where am I? <laughs> but it, it just goes to show, you know, everybody thinks, oh, the mats are, you know, they're cushioned. They're this, they're that. No, it's, it's not it's bored. Like, right? I mean, you're supposed yeah. to think that because you're watching it on TV or you're going to a show and seeing that just like with a movie. But when you get, you know, firsthand, if you don't have respect for it, you will when you're done. Yeah. Because you take a, an axe handle from an almost 500-pound man. It, it'll give you respect one way or the other. Right. Because, I mean, I expected, you know, to get a little roughed up, but I didn't expect to get hit that hard. And then afterwards, I was still, you know, kind of like not not completely dazed, but I was just a little like, oh, my God, he really hit me that hard. Right. But at the same time, when he hit me, the crowd erupted. So it really got them, you know, more onto our side. Yeah. And, you know, our, our team ended up winning the match, but, you know, I ended up being taken to the back. And they still thought I was, you know, in the back. They were like, are you okay? Like, yeah, I'm fine. They're like, you don't have a concussion or anything? They're like searching me with a light. I'm like, no, guys, really, I'm okay. Right. It, just, it just scared the shit out of me is the truth. That's funny yeah. because how much shit did they do in that match? And then how much more did they react to him hitting you with an axe? Oh, that, I mean? that that whole match, the, the the crowd was into it. And, you know, of course, my job, I'm, you know, pumping up the crowd, oh, constantly yeah, yeah, smacking, yeah, yeah. smacking the rope, smacking the apron and everything. And I had them really into it. But when Scott Diamond and I actually got face-to-face, that's when they all were out of their yeah, chairs. Yeah, when you do the oh. right thing at the right time. Yes. Like, that's why you can tell. I can watch a match where it's two guys. And it's a great athletic competition. They're doing things, but it's just like there's no story or emotion or right. any, like, moment behind it. And I'll get... Is bored, but yeah. I watch two guys circle and lock up for like five minutes and be intrigued if they do it the right way. You know yeah, what I mean? it's so, true, yeah. man. And it wasn't simple. It was you need to know what you have to do. Like yeah. you're not just going out there to just you know run around and jump around. Like you have to know, like pay attention for things. And you know, I knew where, what I was supposed to do. I went out there and I did it. But man, it was so amazing to finally once in my life to have that feeling, you know, of of you know that rush of first going through you know the curtains and then being part of the match, even though I didn't get in it, you know. It, it was a, it was a great experience, but it just goes to show if you have respect for the business, you know what I mean. You appreciate it a lot more, oh, and so I appreciate true, it. Man. Even though I've always appreciated wrestling, it's always been a love of mine. I appreciate it so much more having seen, you know, being in the locker room, seeing mm-hmm. you know the guys put their stuff on, and seeing you know a lot of them have rituals that they do. I mean, it's it, oh, it's yeah. an amazing experience. It oh, really yeah. is. Not to uh, to take it to a darker place, but another reason that I wanted to bring you on to the show is because you wore a suit. For what, 51 or 52 days? It actually ended up being 70. 70 days yeah, 70 in days remembrance in of, of your, of your yes. father's passing. And, yes. and you know, that, that was another reason why I wanted to bring you on as a guest because I lost my mom in, in 2001, okay? And losing a parent is, is rough as can be, dude. It's, there, it's indescribable. It is indescribable. There's no replacing it. It is one of those things where it's just heart-wrenching. And you honored your father in one of the coolest, classiest ways I've ever seen. You wore a suit every day for remembrance of your father for 70 days. And Bro, a lot of them were his that, ties. 
bro, honestly, handshake across the table because that is fucking awesome. Honestly. Yes. Thank you very much. That is that is that is amazing. Well, you know, the reason behind it was when I was a kid. Now, obviously, you can see me right now. I got a sweatshirt on. Jogging. A light earth one. Plug, plug, yeah, <laughs> plug, well, plug. I, but I mean, still, I, this is how I would normally dress. I mean, actually, when I did the uh, the other show, the uh, Mojo show, yeah, yeah. I actually was wearing my DC pajama pants. <laughs> and they gave me so oh, much I, dude, shit I saw that. that picture. Yeah. <laughs> they gave me so much shit about that. I was like, all right, man, just remember one day it'll be light, light earth pants. But, right. Uh, you know, I, I just I'm always this kind of laid back person because when you have colon cancer, when you have ulcerative colitis, you know, those diseases, they're very restricting. So you kind of need to wear loose fitting clothes. Oh, yeah. So yeah, my yeah. whole life, you know, I've always been sick you know i've been sick since i was 13 so i've always worn these kind of loose clothes my dad used to always give me shit and say i love the way you look when you're dressed up why don't you ever dress up more so he would always get happy when there was a wedding or a birthday or something like that where i would wear a suit and so it was rare i figured you know what even as a kid my dad used to always tell me how he loved how he looked with a suit why not just honor him that way and i thought okay i'll wear it for like a week or so yeah, so yeah, yeah. i wore it from the day he died until you know it was 70 days it was like mid mid january when i stopped That's so fucking poetic dude I and like a lot of them story. were his ties, um, you know, because, like, he has this American flag tie. And an interesting story about that, he had been offered one time by one of his friends $600, $600 for that tie. And my dad refused what? to sell because he couldn't find it anywhere. Oh, right, he find, right. He couldn't find it anywhere. What, what was there the was tie? No online what what, what the was time. on it? What it was... It's just an American flag tie. You've seen the, uh, the picture that you used. I'm wearing it with my eyebrow. Okay. That's that's I'm my looking dad's at American it. flag I'm going to look it up right now. He actually wanted to be buried in that tie, but before because uh, his death was sudden, we had no idea what was going to happen. Right. It was basically he went in for surgery and never came out. So uh, you know, we, we we kind of expected it, and he had said things like, "Hey, if I die, you know, I want this, I want that." He had said, "You know, I don't really want to be buried in it because I'm going to be cremated, and I don't want them to burn my tie." And we decided, okay, well, you know, we'll go ahead and put it on him anyway. But then everything got so hectic that we really, like, nobody's head was anywhere. I ended up giving the eulogy because nobody in my family could talk. Everybody was wow. devastated. Because now keep in mind, he had lost his sister, his brother, and his sister's husband all within nine months. Oh, my God. Everybody oh, damn, just, just dropped heart attacks. Uh, my uncle, uh, he passed away from a heart attack that was related to uh, ulcer, uh, not ulcer, I'm sorry, uh, to acid reflux. Yeah. He had it really, really bad and it put a lot of strain on his heart. So he just, you know, went to the gym one day, was with his friends. He got in the car and just never woke up. Damn. So, you know, with all that going on, he had so much in his head and then he got sick, thought it was the flu, finally got into the hospital. They're like, no, you have a growth. We need to get in there and get it out. Honestly, the yeah. surgery was a success, but he had been sick throwing up. He, like he was throwing up blood at one point after like oh two weeks God. of vomiting. Because wow, I mean, my dude. dad was a stubborn man. You, I'm sure a lot of you guys know. No, people. dude, you're tough. So when stubborn. you're tough, you're tough. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, well, a lot of times there's stubbornness. You know, they don't want to go see the dentist. They don't yeah. want to go see the doctor because they don't like needles or, you know, what Oh, right, right. And That's they don't believe in that. They're, they're, they're just going to kill you. Blah, blah, blah. But Absolutely. They, they said even though, you know, it, it still it just put so much strain on his heart that when he finally went in for the surgery, even though it was a success, his heart just couldn't take it. Yeah, dude. So wow. I figured, you know, this is a way I can honor my dad. And it also kind of showed my family that I'm not this, you know, 15-year-old immature kid anymore. I'm actually a grown-up man. Right. And, you know, going up and giving my dad's eulogy, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, with your experience, yeah. some things you black out. I don't even, I can't even tell you a damn thing I said. Nothing. Oh, the only dude. things I know yeah. are what people have told me I said. That's how I, traumatic it was. I can, I can, I can understand fully. But you got to keep in mind, this is this is from, you know, a man who I grew up, you know, my dad was always around, but we yeah. never got along. We've never had a relationship. The only reason we had a relationship this last year was because I was getting him medical cannabis brownies. And it was keeping him, <laughs> well, it, it's actually a good thing because it was keeping him from overdosing on his pills. He was oh, right, so right, many right. pills, nerve pills, pain pills, that he was literally passing out all day long and he was useless. All right, fuck that And he would shit, wake right. up and his stomach would hurt and it was damaging his, you know, liver and things. So I got him on the... On 
on the cannabis brownies, and uh-huh. he actually, it, 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 weird thing, developed a relationship between the two of us. Hey, man. He so, does that, man. Yeah, after really? 34 years of nothing, <laughs> even though I always knew the man and always had him around, we actually had a relationship that last year, and it was so precious to me. So to go up there and to be the one to give the eulogy, it was just so hard because I was like, well, I should be the last one doing this because I barely freaking knew the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it was healing for me. Because oh, I said sure. it was all from the heart. Nothing was prepared. But it's also because I thought other people were going to say stuff. <laughs> so I was just going to go up and be like, oh, yeah. Because I knew I was going to cry. Right, right, right. But uh, you know, I made the whole room cry. Everybody was crying. Oh, dude, you, um, you'd be inhuman if you didn't, honestly. That, well, that's, that's huge. The best part was, though, is that his two surviving sisters, they actually paid for the bagpipes to be played. Now, we didn't oh, know this. God. My dad his entire life thought he was Irish. We found out we're actually Scottish. So my my uh, aunts, both of them, they paid the money because we didn't have it. They paid the money for the bagpipe player to come in. So we're all sitting there. I'm done with the eulogy. I sit down, and I'm sitting there, and I'm hugging my mom. And my brothers were all hugging each other, and then we hear the bagpipes, man. It just wow. – Oh, you didn't even know they were there? Didn't even know. The guy oh, walked wow. in as I sat down. Oh, my God. They planned dude. it perfectly. I mean it's one of those moments in life where – Things are – they just – they come together in a way that it's almost like a movie. Like when I met my wife, you know, I was supposed to ship out uh, for boot camp for yeah, the yeah, National yeah. Guard Reserves. Yeah. And, you know, my test came back about my health. They said, well, you can still go if you want to. And I said, OK, I'm going to go. But I didn't show up for the bus because the night before, my mom came and begged me not to go. Yeah, yeah, So yeah, I didn't yeah, go. Yeah. And then it turns out – now, this is what's funny. They tried to arrest me. The military police showed up with the recruiter at my job, the comic wow. book store, Gotham Knights. And they handcuffed me and they were going to take me. I used to go there. Did you? Got yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, when I was like 13 years old, I, oh, the, I worked there the whole time. I, I was probably met you. I probably bought comic books from you. I'm sure you did. Yeah, because I was managing that store at like 14. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So I mean, I I literally <laughs> was in handcuffs, and my boss would always open the door and leave for hours. He just happened to come back for I can't even remember what the reason was. Maybe he left his deposit slips or something. But he comes back. I'm like, help, help! And he's like, he's like, what's yeah, the matter? Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, get that paper out of my back pocket. The paper I signed because I'm the last of three children. They could not make me go unless I got on the bus and went, there's no way they could keep me. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. something told me, don't go. The weirdest thing is, I met my wife two two days later. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, and, wow. and, and what's weird about that is, is I've never in my life experienced anything like it because I was sitting there and I was doing karaoke and I'm in like mid-song and I've seen all these people. It's like a familiar crowd. And a friend that I knew, this woman, she walks in and as she walks in, I see my, my future wife walking behind her. And I, I kid you not, it was the only time in my life I've ever experienced this. The whole room just went like pitch black. And it was like a spotlight on one person, and it was her. And I just was like, oh, my God. Like, who is this? What was wow. the song, though? Uh, I think it was Unanswered Prayers. It's okay. the same song I sang uh, for my talent show for 98 yeah. when I graduated. But uh, it's just one of those moments, you know, it, it, when you – you can see something, you know, in your head and think, oh, I would love for it to go that way. But then it actually happens or something else you don't think is going to happen that way. It actually happens. It's like that, you know, and, and getting to be part of like that wrestling and now being part of, you know, the comic books, even though both of them have been a very short amount of time. I can't even tell you what it means to me because I was told in 2005, I'm going to die. You know, oh, yeah, you've got six months, 12 months to live. You got colon cancer. Okay, well, I got on medical wow. cannabis and it went away. No chemo, no real, you know, thick treatments or anything. All cancer cells are gone That's and amazing. I've been in the clear. 11 years I've been in the clear. Congratulations. Oh, yes, dude. That's Especially why I'm doing it naturally because yeah. – your doctor will try and shove every single pill oh, yeah. and treatment that's poisoning your body down your throat. Yeah, they had a pill and, uh, in your veins. I don't know so. if you've ever heard of this. It's a pill called Colazol. They had me on that pill. You're supposed to be on it for two weeks. Okay. Yeah. They had me on it for two years. Oh, Is that damn. the chemo pill that instead of actually getting chemo? It's kind of similar. Uh, it's, it, it's like a lighter dose for lighter treatment. Well, it, it's a big, thick orange pill. You can't mistake it. It's And it's disgusting. Right, but instead of getting chemo, 
pumped in through kind your of. veins. It's, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, there's different alternatives. I, I chose everything but chemo because I wanted that to be my last option. Right. And I was fortunate that like all my cancer cells had gone away within eight months. That's amazing. So that's why I'm a big proponent for cannabis is because I know it you can and cure me both, because bro. it's done it for me. It's natural. You know? yeah. I'm a it's living a healer. Proof. Oh, the, what's funny about that is I went back when cannabis became legal here to get my card. <laughs> yeah. They were required. You needed three chart notes. So I went to the same place and said, I need my chart notes that prove that I had cancer. And they're like, oh, well, we don't have those. We don't have those because they were magically disappeared when we transferred from one uh, computer program to the other one. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? On the phone, they're like, yeah, come in and we'll give them to you. But when I got there and said, so the, the lady oh, said, no, what are they yeah. for? I said, well, it's for me to get my medical cannabis card. They're like, oh, we don't have them. Yeah, so wow, that's insane, man. But it, it just it just goes to show some people don't you know believe in it. You know they need. Physical oh yeah, proof, absolutely, so. absolutely. But I know a lot of people like in social media that I've talked to, a lot of children that I've spoken to personally that mm-hmm. had seizures that were having them multiple times per day now have them once every four or five months. Oh, and they're no, not, no, dude, I, I see it all the time on TV. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you see, like the the uh, the one parents who are, are facing criminal charges because their child was having seizures. They yeah. had to go out of state to get him cannabis medicine yeah. Yeah. that made him fine, but they're facing like life in prison yeah. because of this and, and because of the state they're in. It's like like. When the fuck are you going to realize that this shit is medicine and it's going to help people? Back yeah. the fuck off. Twenty years from now, it won't be an issue anymore. Oh, of course, but it, how many people have to? How many people long. have to suffer? Hopefully not. It won't. Wow. And, and, and I've been a part of this since the very beginning. As soon as it became legal, I was one of the very first patients to get a card, and I still have cards. Yeah. So with my father, when he was telling me, "Well, I can't smoke it because you know I've I've been you know completely sober." I mean, the man had been right. sober for ten years when he died. Mm-hmm. So no no alcohol, no drugs, no cigarettes. It was a huge accomplishment for him because he was a huge addict and a huge cigarette fiend. I mean, this is a man who smoked four packs a day. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, sometimes it was worse. When he was drunk, he'd go through six packs. I mean, right. how the hell do you? That's a Marble just Man put style, him out, man. Put him back yeah, in, put him out. Man the man sometimes would smoke three at a time. Dude, my dad was the same way until he quit smoking. Like, yeah. he, but he was the same way. Four or five packs, just constantly one after another. Yep. And since man, he didn't want he the did. smoke, he wanted the cannabis brownies. So yeah. I'd give right. him, and then, you know, there's there's like juices and bubble gums and all kinds of different things Oil, with the medicine in thoughts, there. Yeah, yeah oh, there's yeah, even yeah. sugars now. You can take sugar, put it in your coffee. Uh-huh. You know, it's just different ways to help people. So that they don't feel like they're doing drugs. Because that's the thing. Ultimately, if you take anything, even a freaking Tylenol, you're doing drugs. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> They're yeah, drugs. Absolutely. It's just mm-hmm. Big Pharma doesn't say that because they make money on that. And they oh, make yeah. money on the fact that – And it's not prescription. You can get it right off the shelf. Exactly. Like why would they want us to have a cure when they there's can make more so money, much money. In, in it not being – Dude, it's exactly. basic economics. Mm-hmm. That's behind everything. That's behind movies that get released. That's behind medicine that gets released. Yep. It's basic economics. Find out where the money comes from, where the mm-hmm. money goes. And you'll find out exactly how everything's about to happen. Yeah. And, you know, I've been through it most of my life. Like I said, I've been six since I was 13. So it's been a long time that I've been dealing with this. But I've only had cannabis available to me for the last 10 years. Yeah. Right. So I, come to think of it, where the hell would I be without it? Right. To be completely right. honest, I mean, I don't even know. You because I have all kinds of fucked up because your organs would be yep. destroyed from chemo yeah. yeah. and radiation. Yeah. yeah. So thank wow. God for pot. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't even know how to segue into something Hallelujah. happier than this, so we're going to take a break real yeah. quick, and we'll be Love right back with more on the Ninja Starship. In a world where podcasts are here one day and gone the next, the people call on one man to bring them a show that would save the planet as we know it. This is not that guy. From Podcast Detroit and the Points of Interest Podcast Network comes a show that talks about Power Rangers, the Macho Man Randy Savage, movies and TV shows. 
comic books, and more. Brought to you by the host with the most, Jimmy McKnight. The Ninja Starship with Jimmy McKnight is live 5 o'clock on Sundays on Podcast Detroit. Email the show, ninjastarpod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. This is a previously recorded episode. And we're back to the Ninja Starship. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am in studio with everybody from the Top Rope Review, plus J.R. Blanton and XICW wrestler Dickie Bronson. We are going to get into definitely more of Dickie's story on the Top Rope Review since this is the two-hour power. Right, guys? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Hell, yeah. I uh, I just, I, I before I got here, I went to uh, Shelby Comic Con, where, by the way, J.R., uh, Trico says to say hello. <laughs> he is so cool. Isn't he, he? Dude, he came up to me at a show, and he was just like, hey, how you doing? He shook my hand. I had no idea who he was. And he starts telling me about Source Point. I'm like, oh, you like them, huh? He's like, yeah, well, I work for them. I'm like, oh, right. I'm sorry. Like, he's one out. of the bigger names yeah. at Source Point. And uh, I had uh, a couple episodes back. It was one of the first or second episodes that I had with uh, Podcast Detroit. Greg Wright, who wrote Monstrous, was on the podcast. And I was able to go to ShelbyCon and pick up two, three, and four nice. of Monstrous, which I can't wait to read because. Issue one, dude, like I said before, man, it is John McClane on acid. It really, really is. Like, if you could imagine True Grit flipped the way it was flipped, it's almost a diehard story with animals. And it's fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah, I promoted the shit out of that book for them on Facebook and oh, on Twitter yeah. and everything. Like, every other day I was sharing the link, telling people about it. Because, you know, there's a difference between sharing the link and then saying a little something about oh, it when yeah, you share yeah, yeah. it. I know it, it sounds weird, but it does help. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we also, next week, we have, uh, I believe, Casey Pierce, Jay Fosgett, and Sean Seal all coming on uh, for the week before, or two weeks before C2E2 to promote Nora, which I I can't wait, dude. The, that whole theory about, you know, aliens and coma fishers and blah, 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 blah. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, I'm she's so awesome, in. too. I, I, they, hit their, they hit their goal on Kickstarter in two days, yeah, and I, then it's just constantly gone well, up from there? Come it it on. was a lower goal, but it was a manageable goal, and it yeah. got way more, you know, attention than I think they expected. Because, yeah, I mean, big with, with a lot of people's first projects, they don't get a lot of, uh, you know, awareness sometimes, or they don't get a lot of uh, push behind them. So with her, you know, I, I was in full force. I was like, yeah, pff, are you kidding me? It's Casey Pierce. Right. She's right. awesome. Well, um, we're going to come to the end of our show, but, dude, you are more than welcome to stay in and, and wrestle talk with us because, ladies and gentlemen, if you're just now tuning in, this is the end of the Ninja Starship. But please, you know, stay tuned because the Top Rope Review is on next. That is Detroit's best coverage of professional wrestling. But if you did miss the episode of the Ninja Starship, please download it on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. It's available on your favorite podcast app. Also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ninja Star Pod. Please stay tuned for the best coverage in professional wrestling, including me. I'm on that show. Yes, that's right. Until next week, Starship fans, that's a show. This is a previously recorded episode.